Welcome to the Leading International School Teams podcast. I'm your host, Caleb Ernest. Each episode is designed for administrators, teachers, and others in the international school world to be able to share stories, experiences, and innovative ideas that are taking place around the world. Additionally, I hope to be able to share some personal stories of success and some struggles that I've faced along the way. From time to time, I hope to have some special guests who will also be able to share their stories. My goal for each episode is to create an ongoing discussion about how we as educators can create meaningful growth experiences for international school communities. The list for each episode will consist of three parts, the warm-up, the main event, and the cool-down. I'm glad you're here. Let's jump in. All right, team, bring it in. Glad you're here. It's time to do the warm-up. What if there was a way for teachers not to feel anxious when a principal walks into their classroom or approaches them in the hallway? What if there was a way for interactions between teachers and principals to have deep impacts on the teaching and learning that is taking place in the classroom? What if there was a better way to do teacher evaluations and observations other than a 72-point checklist? Craig Randall, a former international school administrator, has identified a new way to carry out classroom observations. The central focus for these observations is all about relationships and building trust. In this episode, we discuss his journey to this new revelation, and we explore his new book entitled Trust-Based Observations. Let's jump in. Hey, it's game time. This is what you came here for. This is the main event. Hey team, thank you for joining us again for the Leading International School Teams podcast. Today we've got with us Craig Randall, um, who is a newly published author of Trust-Based Observations. Um, Craig has spent a little bit of his time in the international education world and a little bit of his time in the U.S. educational world. Um, currently, he's doing some consulting uh, from the Pacific Northwest, and um, I'm really excited that he could join us today on the podcast. How are you, Craig? I'm good, Caleb. Thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity. Uh, so, Craig, your, your book that just came out uh, September the 15th, I think, was the official release date of the book, um, Trust-Based Observations. Um, it's all about, um, you know, looking at what is the traditional observation model or evaluation model that takes place in schools, but then some of your, um, you know, personal reflections and journeys about that experience and how, um, you know, you experienced it perhaps as a teacher and how you um, experienced it as an administrator. Um, and maybe that traditional model is, you know, not the best um, model for evaluating or observing teachers. And I want to give you a chance just to talk about um, your journey into coming and understanding that trust is an essential element for, you know, these types of observations or evaluations within schools. Sure. Um, I mean, I, I had a, a bit of a 
uh, an eclectic education and career and didn't actually start as a teacher, started as a school counselor. So maybe even on some subconscious level that played a part just in terms of the, the relationships and, and the connecting with people uh, on that one-to-one -one level, which I think is a big part of uh, what matters in terms of principal-teacher relationships. So um, I think for, for the trust part, I think, I mean, at first, actually, I called the book, well, not the book, when I, I called it Strengths-Based Observations when I actually realized that I was, had developed maybe something a little bit different. And what I would say is that mostly I wanted observations to happen more frequently than what they were happening. I mean, in a standard model, you get one or two times a year, and now you've got some models where it's maybe three, four, five, six times a year, but it's not uncommon in, uh, in the international school world, this is where I experienced it, to not be observed for one, two, or even more years than that. Mm -hmm. And I remember mostly just not being observed at all and feeling really frustrated with that and just wanting observations to, to be different and, and to, be about the people and to, and to make a difference. I mean, really, I think I wanted it to be about improving teaching and learning. And I don't think it really felt like it was. It felt like it was more about evaluation. And there was some, even with good principles, some work about what was, what was working and, and what wasn't and offering suggestions. But then sometimes it's so long between when you have that visit, and when you have another visit, like just different things are talked about the next time without really even focusing on what we were working on before. And sure. so if the goal is to improve, teaching and learning and our gaps are that long, how can I do that when I'm not having a feedback relationship with you that's, that's really meaningful? So I'm not sure that's really getting into the trust part or how that part developed, but I just, something was missing uh, to me. And so I started, I had a, an administrator actually at the American School of Warsaw where I started my international school career, suggested I become a principal. And so I started my program and when I did, I, I met, a, and feeling frustrated about observations, I met my, who became my mentor, Warren Aller at Western Washington University. And he just started talking about being in classes all the time, being in classes every day, mm -hmm. observing every day, helping teachers get better, supporting teachers, and just something about his passion and the way he talked about it. And I'd never heard anybody talk about being in classes every day as an observer before. It just like that aha light bulb moment came on to me that this is something different. And then we started practicing observations in a supervision class. So we would come in and bring 10 minute uh, teaching lessons that we would do mini lessons. And so one of us would teach and then another one of us would, would do the observations and we did scripting back then. And then we would immediately have a follow-up conversation. And it was always driven by two questions. Uh, what were you doing to help students learn? Mm -hmm. And if you had to do over again, what would you, what if anything might you do differently? And mm -hmm. it just seems so powerful. And it was about me as a teacher, really, when I'm asking those questions, not about me as an observer telling you what went wrong and what to fix. And sure. just somehow it just registered. And then I was really lucky. Uh, my first admin job was at Korea International School. And I had a principal that was at a point in his career where I think what really drove him was having enthusiastic young assistant principals he could mentor, and that was me. And so I was able to tell him what I wanted to do with observations, and, and he would always ask, you know, is it good for kids and how? And when I told him that, he said, okay, do it. And he actually started doing the same thing. And certainly I didn't know I was developing anything. I was just doing what I was taught. 
But then I noticed teachers really, really responded well to it. And they would say, like, this is the most I've been observed in my, in my more, more in this last year than in my career. And mm. they see things like, this is the first time it really seems like it's been about improving my teaching. And uh, so just somehow from there, I think I realized that, that being in classes a lot helped to build trust. And when that happened, people were way more willing to take risks. Sure. And uh, you've uh, talked about the relationship element of that. And I think that's super important um, from the teacher to have that um, conversation or be able to have that trust or have that relationship with uh, your administrator. Um, and even now, and maybe in a more traditional model, the principal walks in and, and maybe the teacher gets a little bit nervous, <laughs> right? Um, oh, but yeah. perhaps whenever you have that relationship and you have that trust and you have that ongoing conversation that um, I know that I'm going to benefit whenever the principal walks into my room, um, I know that I'm going to get some feedback. I know that I'm going to get value out of this experience. Um, and it's not a, you know, are you evaluating me whether or not I'm going to get a contract, you know, next year? Um, it yeah. definitely is. It has a different focus, right? And so there's a specific, you said it started out maybe with, you know, just a couple of questions. Um, you know, is, is that where the trust um, based framework is now? Or do you have you expanded it to maybe, um, you know, a, a different aspect of observation? Like what, what are the look for's now whenever um, an administrator comes in the classroom? Or is it still really rooted in those two questions? Well, definitely, it's rooted in, I mean, this is what I would say is, I think in, in maybe in a traditional observation, it's about the observation. And then the, the follow up conversation in a traditional model is about me telling you. And I would say in trust-based observations, it's about me asking and listening and then maybe pointing out what I saw and then leading that to where it is. Like one of the, one of the, when I first started, I think I was really nervous about giving feedback at first. And I think there were two reasons uh, on suggestions is, is one, I was a new guy and probably wanted to be liked. But then two, I always had this feeling like I've only seen you once or twice and I'm supposed to tell you what you're better at. There's like something about that just felt arrogant to me. And, and I mm -hmm. felt like somewhere along the way, something told me, wait to get to know teachers. Sure. And then what ended up happening because I waited and because I was coming in frequently to teachers' classes is they started asking what they could get better at. Mm -hmm not everybody, but many of them. And so somehow something clicked with that, that by, like I asked those questions and then I pointed out the things I observed and we don't put number ratings on what we saw. I just point out what I saw that I thought was good practice. And, and so just by doing those two things, somehow that put teachers at ease. And so I would say in terms of the framework, that, that was maybe the next step was just pointing out strengths and then realizing that they did it. And then, formally at some point along the way, I just decided for at le least the first three visits, I'm only going to point out strengths. I'm not going to offer any suggestions. And then after that, I really play it even through the whole first year on what my vibe on that teacher is. If you think about teachers and there's that getcha model that's out there out to get you kind of thing. And I mean, not that that's a model, but you know what I mean. And, and <laughs> I, I think that depending on how long somebody's been teaching and what their experience is for them to build trust and have faith in me to offer a suggestion that would be uh, accepted and worked on, it takes time. And so then if I felt like they were open, I would offer a suggestion on the fourth time. And, and even then when we offer like pick your poison because like 
choosing a bunch of little things, like what, what's the point of that? Because if we're, if we're not focused on one thing at a time, it's really difficult to really improve. So mm-hmm. find one area that you see that could be a potential area for growth and then come in in a supported way, ready to offer suggestions for that. And so I guess that was a continuing part of the development. And then I was at another school in Abu Dhabi and uh, my head of school basically said, there's no proof that scripting works. So uh, either use somebody else's model or develop your own uh, template. And so somewhere along the way, I think I'd read something that an observation template, if it has more than 10 things, principals will lose the forest through the trees, like looking for other little things and then not actually see the teaching. And so I, I realized that and I just tried to pick, you know, there's, there's, you know, Hattie and visible thinking and visible learning. And so I just tried to pick like, to me, what are impactful areas. And so really it's, it's, it's morphed and morphed and morphed to what I think are nine key areas of teaching. And am I missing some? Sure I am, but they're not, I just put what's important and we have a spot where you can put other intangibles or other things you see sure. that might not be listed on there if you observe something. And, uh, and then over time we kind of developed little tables on it that a lot of times the tables do the talking without my being critical where a teacher can see something and say, Oh, that's really good. Or, Oh, Oh, I made that something I can work on. And that's them on their own. And when they see that on their own, I just think there's, there's a greater receptivity to, to making a change uh, an improvement. And so, that's sort of how the whole process morphed into what it is. And there's a couple more questions because we do tie professional development and annual growth goals to it. And so one of the questions is always, how, how's the progress going on your annual action research goal? Um, and then usually we pick one professional development area per year in the model. And then we talk about how that's going. And then the last question is always, you know, is there anything else I can do? What can, how can I be of support? And so just sure. all together, it seems to have worked out. <laughs> so you talked about um, kind of the, the teacher to- takes a um, larger role um, in the observation, more so than the administrator just walking in with a checklist and saying you're either, you know, moderately effective, effective or highly effective, right? Or not effective at all, right? Um, and just yeah. this little checklist, you know, what, what do I get as the teacher out of that? Well, you know, I, I'm effective and highly effective. Well, what does that even look like? Right. You know, how are you communicating yeah. that to me? Yeah. Um, you know, because I wrote learning targets on the board with, I can statements instead of not, I can statements. that makes me highly effective and not, you know, and really just having this um, from the administrator's point of view only um, is kind of this traditional model. And, and, and what I like about the trust-based framework that you're putting forward is that the teacher takes on a more active role in that. Um, and I think that points towards a culture of what these observations should be. And I want to jump into that culture um, in the second half, Craig. So if you don't mind, let's take yeah. a quick break. Okay. Hey team, it's halftime. And I want to say that I am excited that you're taking time to join us on the Leading International School Teams podcast. If you enjoy the podcast, please share with your friends, family, and colleagues. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and on the web at leaninginternationalschoolteams.com. Thanks for listening. Now let's jump into the second half. Hey team, welcome back. Um, just before the break, we were talking about, um, you know, the active relationship between the principal and the teacher and how that kind of develops a culture. Um, and Craig, I think you wanted to expound just a little bit 
um, you know, about that relationship a little bit further and, and the teacher's role in that process and how it does, um, you know, develop, um, you know, these benefits for both people. I think right away when we start the process by, by when I come in, first off, to, everything is about building trust. So when we have the reflective conversation, we have it in your room. So I come to your room, I ask you if, if this is a good time to have the conversation. And then when we do it, I, I work to actually sit down beside the teacher as well, because there's that face sitting across from each other. There's a power differential thing because of the title that comes with the job. And so then when we go over the form, like they can see the form as I'm talking, talking and asking questions. And so it's totally transparent. And then I would say, in terms of, of the questions, right away, we're sending an expectation, because we do have expectations and, and, and for improved teaching and learning, though, but the reflection is a part of practice. So instead of my talking by asking questions right away, we were sending a message that that's there. And your opinion matters. And so much can happen just from listening to what you have to say that that can lead to wherever we're going to go. And, and as oftentimes as a teacher, as you do that and you reflect on it more and more, your own thoughts about the steps to improve oftentimes are aligned with, with what I'm noticing or seeing at the same time. Um, one thing I'll add about like the evaluation part, because we talked about the rate, you know, the highly capable or capable or whatever. And I think if you were to look at like a Danielson or Marzano template and were to look at each of those areas of teaching, no one would argue that those are good areas of teaching. I would argue that you probably can't master all of those and could still be an amazing teacher. And even when they're rated and they talk about what the specific observers are for each of the levels of the rating, I think that that's all powerful, but there's a man named Matt O'Leary out of Great Britain who I would say is the predominant researcher on observation and evaluation in the world. And he's done a ton of qualitative research. And what he has found is that as soon as we start to evaluatively rate teachers, they start to play it safe because they worry about their job. And the only way anybody's going to improve is by taking chances, taking risks to try new things. And so we eliminate the rating of the pedagogy just for that reason. And the results are teachers are more willing to take risks. One of the things that I always say to a teacher is, if I go into your room and you're trying something new and it completely bombs, the next day you can be sure that you're gonna get a fist bump from me because when you're trying something new, eventually we're gonna see progress and improvement. And that's yeah. what we're looking for is when a teacher feels that, it's it's a vulnerable thing to take a risk. It's a vulnerable thing to take a risk and have, have the principal walk in. And so when I can do that and know that I'm going to be applauded for taking a risk no matter how it goes, aren't we as teachers going to improve automatically and feel more comfortable taking risks to improve? Sure. And it, it kind of goes, um, you know, the complete opposite direction with a traditional based model. You know, administrator comes to me and says, I'm coming next Tuesday. Right. And you have that yeah. pre-meeting. And then I'm like, you know, all right, next Tuesday, I've got to pull out my best lesson, you know, and because, because that evaluation is coming, I've got to, I've got to prove myself to my principal. Um, and maybe that's not a, a reality um, of what's taking place in the classroom every day. That's not a reality of true teaching and learning. Um, and, or on the other side, you know, there's these pop-in visits to where, like you said, it just bombs. But if that culture's not there, um, if that trust isn't there, then me as a teacher, I leave feeling very defeated uh, in that moment. Um, and then I'm going to my principal going, you know, it's, it's not like that every day, I promise, you know, and, yeah, and there's this yeah, type of, you I know, um, you know, <laughs> apologetic thing. Um, but if I know as a teacher that whenever you're walking into my room, 
um, you're walking in there for the purpose of, you know, focusing on my strengths, helping me, you know, become a better teacher that I know that I'm going to get positive feedback and, and some negative feedback from time to time, because we've built that relationship. We've built that trust. Um, and not everything goes perfect every single day. And, you know, you as the administrator opening the door saying, do you want to talk about that? Right. Um, yep. And sometimes the teacher's going to say, yeah, I need some feedback um, on that area. And, you know, just that culture um, makes that observation so much stronger. And like you said, it, it gives me the confidence as a teacher to take those risks um, because I know that the administrator um, has got my back. I know my, the administrator is going to give me feedback. Um, and by me taking those risks and getting that feedback, I'm working towards achieving the goals that I have for myself, but then the goals that the school also has for what they want uh, the learning community to be. Um, and, and I think it's just a completely different, um, you know, thought process to what that relationship can be. Um, and I appreciate your work in, in building what is this new type of observation uh, culture. You know, the, uh, the Gates Foundation spent seven years and $200 million on an initiative to improve the quality of teaching and learning and graduation out, uh, rates uh, through, in essence, developing a more robust evaluation process. And so at the end of seven years and $200 million, and this is in a, you know, fairly traditional models, uh, the results were that there was no sustained improvement. So mm -hmm. if what we're doing right now isn't working, then let's change from this left brain analytical increased accountability. I almost think the thought has been that if I improve the accountability measures, we'll improve because I can get rid of poor performing teachers. But I think that's missing the bone about human beings, and especially human beings that get into teaching, because why do we get into teaching? We want to make a difference in the lives of young people. So if we're talking about people like that, we're talking about very sensitive people with big hearts. And so if we want to help them improve, then let's, let's go from more of a, a right-brained heart uh, model, and, and the results are different. So uh, to kind of flip in the script a little bit, we've talked about, you know, from a teacher and what the benefits a, a teacher can get out of this. If I'm a school leader or a principal or administrator, um, what are some ways that I can work towards developing that type of culture? What, what are some steps that I can take from moving away from, you know, this traditional evaluation model that maybe doesn't have the fruits we're looking for? Um, what are some steps that I can take today to be moving towards this trust-based framework or this relationship building framework? Yeah, uh, and I think that it varies on where you're at as to how easy or not easy that is. But I, I would say that, one, you can buy the book, and, and that gives you a lot of, uh, uh, I mean, it's, uh, it's like a system, and it gives you a guide and tools to, to give you advice on how to do that. But, like, I think one of the reasons that I was able to develop the model, frankly, was because I was in an international school. And because an international school uh, doesn't have all the same necessarily district-wide accountability or state-mandated requirements, I had the freedom to maybe be able to explore and create something that was alternative to what it is. And so if I'm working in an international school, it's easier to just work to adopt that. And we can talk about the specifics in a minute. But if I'm in a if I'm in a district somewhere, depending on the state regulations, it is sure. more challenging sure. to do that. And in those situations, you know, hopefully a superintendent or whatever, if you're a principal, you can go to them and, and get permission to pilot or, or at least pilot it with a few teachers, if nothing else. Um, 
So those are some of the ways just generally that we can do it. But I think one, go in more frequently, make the visits shorter. Um, you kind of talked about when you know it's coming next Tuesday, you're preparing extra. And that's just human nature. Even if I'm the best teacher in the world, I'm still going to prepare extra. <laughs> and so I'd say eliminate the pre-observation conference. It, it takes time and it, it doesn't provide the most accurate vision of teaching. I would say adopting those first two questions when I come in and have the conversation and one, go to the teacher's room to have the conversation because that matters. All those little elements to build trust matter. But by asking conversations and asking questions, I should say, immediately instead of me talking and it being about me telling you, when I ask questions, it's immediately the focus is on you and you feel different. You feel more empowered when it's about you every time. Mm -hmm. So I, I think that's a really good idea. I do think it's, it, it's really, really important to focus on what you observed and not, not give it ratings. So I think those are some of the things, but I also think it's really, really important that we have to understand as teachers, I mean, as observers, the absolute vulnerability that is the teacher observation process. There's no other job in the world that I'm aware of where the boss walks into your office, as it were, sits down, pulls open a laptop and starts taking notes on you. I mean, could you see that happening like at a coffee shop where the boss, the manager comes in and watches the barista and then it has all these different uh, categories of, of barista or espresso making. That was a, that was <laughs> a highly effective doing. cappuccino you made there. <laughs> <laughs> right, 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 right. So imagine that. So, and then you have to wait for your feedback. And, and the truth is your job in some ways can potentially depend on that. And so I think as observers who were once teachers, being aware of that, remembering that, having empathy for that process, and also realize that we are dealing with developing minds and the unpredictability of 25 or 30 developing minds in our classroom and all the different things and tangents that that, that can go to in the process. I don't know if you've ever read uh, Parker, Parker Palmer's The Courage to Teach. It's an amazing book. And he talks about like, uh, teaching this one class and, and walking out of that class just going, man, I've really got it. I've got teaching down now. It's just like, I'm a master. And then like the next day teaching that same class to a different section of students and just having it just go sideways <laughs> and coming home that at night and wondering, is it too late to change professions? And to me, that is teaching. It's so it's so difficult, so challenging, all these things in the moment. And so if we as administrators can have empathy and understanding for just how tough it is, we're responding in the moment to every little thing that happens, no matter how well planned we are, we don't know what's gonna happen. And so practicing empathy, using our emotional intelligence to drive our conversations, uh, our tone, deciding what's most important, uh, when we do offer a suggestion, only offering one. When we do offer a suggestion, being prepared to not only offer the suggestion, but provide tools to support that teacher. If it means uh, improving at something, then is it pairing that teacher with an expert in that particular area that I want them to get better at? Is it guiding them to an article? Is it sending them to a training? So all of those things together, I think all demonstrate care. And I think they're all areas that help build trust and make teachers more willing. And, and if you could adopt the mindset truly that I said earlier about a bad lesson and knowing that 
my goal is to improve teaching and learning and the best way that that's going to happen is by risk taking then creating working to create the conditions so teachers know they can have that happen so i guess off the, those are areas that as administrators right away simple adjustments that we can make and all of those things are found in your book craig um, i want to give you a chance to just kind of speak directly about the book um, where can we find it um, I know it's available on your website um, and just give you a chance to talk about um, where we can find your book um, and then how people could move forward with um, what they'd find in that book. Sure. Um, so uh, you can also find it on Amazon, of course. And uh, so if you're like internationally, you know, the ebook is maybe a way you can get it more quickly. Um, so the book is available on Amazon or on the website. I would say I do provide training and consultation services. I'm happy to just have a conversation with anybody that wants to talk about it and, and explore what they can do. Um, certainly you can get a hold of me on Twitter. Uh, my handle is at TrustBaseCraig uh, if people want to talk to me there. Um, but basically I'm just, I mean, I would say I'm on a mission. I'm on a mission to change the way we do teacher observations worldwide to a model that's based on trust and realize that people are going to improve when they're in a trusted, when they're in a situation where they feel trusted because they're going to take risks. And when they take risks, they're going to develop innovations and they're going to improve. And so anything we can do to make that happen and what's currently happening isn't working. So let's, let's. Let's make a change. Sounds good, Craig. Uh, I'll make sure that I put um, all of those uh, contact things that you mentioned um, on our website uh, where we're going to host this podcast um, so you can get in touch with Craig there. Um, I'll also put the links on where you can uh, purchase his book, Trust-Based Observations. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for joining us um, today. Um, we look forward to just uh, continued conversations about uh, how things are going and maybe um, a year from now or, or sometime we can check back in and see how things are going. And, uh, you know, some major school district in the U.S. has now adopted this model and now it's spreading across, you know, and it'd be, it'd be an awesome, uh, you know, journey that you'll be on in the next couple of months, you know, as you're doing consulting and, um, you know, continually having those conversations. And uh, we talk a lot about, um, you know, the list podcast being one of people sharing their stories of struggle and success. And, and definitely, I think you're in the middle of that um, in both rounds, you know, you're definitely in the middle of a struggle and you're definitely in the middle of, uh, you know, having, you know, that success and looking for those next opportunities. So I appreciate you. Um, and uh, glad you could take some time to, to join us. Thank you, Caleb. I really appreciate the opportunity to talk about it and good luck with your podcast. Sounds good. And we'll move to the cool down. And as always, keep leading. Hey team, great work out there today. Now, what can we take away? What can we learn from this experience? What can we use from this podcast? Let's do the cool down. Craig is on to something that directly impacts the working relationship between the teacher and the administrator. But I also believe that he's on to something much deeper. The value of trust between a teacher and an administrator is unbelievably critical for all aspects of the school environment. When a teacher knows that the administrator has their back, they are more confident, they take risk, they value feedback in conversations, 
and they have a desire to be a part of the overall picture of what's going on in the school. This trust-based relationship is valuable in the context of observations and feedback, but it is essential to the community as a whole. As leaders, we need to make sure that our approach with those in which we lead is always focused on the relationship first. Without trust and without that relationship, there is no growth. Until next time, keep leading. Thanks for listening to Leading International School Teams podcast. Remember to like, share, and follow the list on Twitter and Facebook. Share the podcast with your friends. If you would like to reach out or comment or give feedback on the show, email me at michaelcalebernest at gmail.com. Until next time, keep leading.